0: The Football Show on Off the Ball
1: with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. I'm
0: prepared to do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? Ah, I was not bad was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh.
1: Now then, welcome along, Dan McDonald, with us from the Irish Independent on the Football Show. Daniel, hello, Joe. How are things? You're a racing man.
2: I do. I do race on occasion.
1: We were talking Lester Piggott for a good oh, half yeah. hour. Middle hour. Very interesting man.
2: Yeah, I will actually, I will, I will listen to that now tomorrow. I'd love to listen. I was traveling in so I didn't get to, to hear it all. But um, yeah, like 86 as well. Because I do, I do remember um, him coming back To ride that horse in the Breeders' Cup Royal Academy, it was like nineteen ninety or something. Do you remember that? that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I remember less. I I mean, I was big into racing as a kid, so like all the jockey's names from the late eighties, early nineties, I'd be sort of conscious of them, and that that was when he was he was riding in his second coming. Now it's only in the last couple of days from reading it, I realized that he'd he'd actually gone training for a couple of years and he'd sort of gone off. Uh, sort of gone off reservation I guess you know yeah. but um, I do remember that Royal Academy thing being covered somewhere yeah at the time yeah and he fell off that horse called Mr Brooks he got that bad fall I remember that that was like towards the end of his career I we,
1: think we didn't cover that in the chat but I saw the footage earlier of yeah. him being put into an ambulance in his 50s yeah. and you would think and he retired no.
2: Yeah, it is because you do have these flat jockeys now, like, you know, Kevin Manning would still be going in Ireland and stuff. You'd have guys sort of riding into their 50s. And it's, extr- I mean, the flat guys can do what the jumps guys can't. But yeah. it is incredible to be at the sharp end at that age. And um, But yeah, the stories about is there's, a, there was a, there's been sort of various social media threads of various one liners he gave in response to, you know, to various people over the years. Mm. Just a, a legend is sort of overused it's um, a term, but. He was that for sure. Mm. Yeah.
1: You have a flight tomorrow morning.
2: I do. Yeah. I mean, if someone pointed out outside, I should just go to the airport now. Really, shouldn't I? I, don't, I mean, I'd imagine there's, um, you know, the listeners to this show who'd be, uh, who, who might be travelling as well, like going to Armenia this week. And I'm sure someone might be gone already. But yeah, Ireland playing Saturday afternoon in Yerevan, and just the way things work out, the team is travelling tomorrow as well. Um. But, um, yeah, making the trip tomorrow. It was pointed out, that, someone pointed out earlier, that Armenia away 12 years ago was the last time I think the press were allowed on the official flight um, with the team. Um, you know, you could walk on and see the players and John Delaney or whatever, but uh, that stopped. That stopped after Armenia 12 years ago. But, yeah, I'm flying in the morning, so... By request uh, of
1: FAI there yeah, no, there was, there was
2: um, the I think what happened was... I think I'm telling tales out of school here. I think this has probably been written somewhere. So there was an episode on the plane a year previously. What did you do? um, (laughs) um, Where uh, it's it's not like one of these uh, golfers or some scandal like that, uh, transatlantic stuff, uh, Joe. No, uh, the press reported that they had, there wasn't. There was a surplus amount of players for the players' seats, and we saw a player sort of take a bit of a, a, uh, take the huff a bit when they were put back down towards the economy section. Um, was, I think there was too many people in the squad. Like this is when remember I remember naming these forty man squads, but there wasn't enough planes. There uh, wasn't enough spots in the plane for like you know first class for the players or something. So it was reported in various places, and I think the the message was put down that the the press weren't allowed on the the plane anymore, which would happen like. I don't know if you've ever read Daniel Taylor's book This is the one about the year following Alex Ferguson where after the the away games like the press it's not just an Ireland thing like the press would travel on the Manchester United flight home from all the Champions League games around Europe and I think this still happens with a lot of know in in various places and there was the great stories of like Ferguson waiting on the plane to take some or there was a Gary Neville on one occasion was waiting on the plane to take down one of the hacks and this would be the thing you'd walk down the line sometimes the players would be at the front and you might come on last and whether there be eye contact made or not you'd see who's in bad form or not so I think a few things had been reported I think we were told at one stage or there was a delegation told you'd be allowed back on the plane if you sort of agreed not to report anything that ever happened on the plane but no one was really going to sign into something like that because what if you know something something substantial happened on the plane but of course the year 2012 campaign is the one and it's been mentioned by several people um various places uh I i think there would have been some high spirits on the plane home on occasion john delaney singing about singing about himself and whatnot at various times, so they didn't want us there for that, you know. Um, but who hasn't expect- sung a few bars about themselves, Dan? Yeah, he used to be a something, and he's all right now. I think <laughs> he might have been sung, might have been a few bars of that blasted out on the way back from Slovakia. What um, time's your flight? But uh, we weren't there for that. And 8:50 a.m. So. Yeah, there's a big break over but 3 a.m. It's like, and I live quite close to the airport. It just completely defeats the purpose of it now. But um, yeah, probably like, you need to probably get there three hours early, I think, you know, um, three, three and a half hours early. But it could be worse. I mean, the people who are, there's probably people on a half six flight in the morning who are grappling over whether to go to bed at all or whatever. I mean, it's. Um, and you hear anecdotal tales that it wasn't too bad for certain people at certain times today but you always hear that yeah. you know if you're if there's there's a lot I mean particularly when I'm working so I just have to be there already but even I know some of the Ireland fans who travel like they plan these trips for months out Um, you know roundabout ways to get around Europe you can't fly direct to Yerevan, so people are going through all sorts of different connections oh. and places well. you're not going to just wing it and turn up an hour and a half before sure. that bigger chances
1: Champions League what are we saying
2: yeah so I I did hear, and we had Mark Lawrence in here on Saturday afternoon. What was I mean, that like? oh it was brilliant. Yeah, the, I don't know if you heard it, but like no. it's worth listening back to I anyone mean, who didn't hear it because it was like a sort of a just an anecdote machine. It was like you <laughs> sort of, um, you know, someone it's, put another fifty p. Yeah. Like when someone puts, it's like when you put like uh, like I don't know a fiver in a jukebox and you get like ten songs. You don't know what to do. Like you know, seven or eight. Like he just sort of out of nowhere there was tales coming out you of know that right? point. He, like, he <laughs> casually drops in at the end sorry to cut across you it was like um, yeah some mention some some reference to a point to Guinness and he was like oh yeah I, I was in an ad for Guinness in 1982 now that you mention it yeah." and just sort of was able to like put it out there.
1: And imagine me now for dinner with Laro and saying Tell me all the stories you can't tell. On
2: <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't go into the Robert Maxwell years last Saturday, um, but I mean meeting Barbara Streisand in a lift with Ronnie Whelan naturally and trips to Israel at the end of the season before playing the European Cup final the following week. Um,
1: oh yeah, that one has been. I've heard uh, some antics yeah, there. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, so, so some extraordinary stuff, but. I don't agree with his assessment of the Champions League final, but I love his stories.
1: What was his assessment? Well,
2: he was on with the lads, I think, on Monday morning and he said that Liverpool had battered uh, Real Madrid. I don't think they battered them. I think they battered them for a period of the first half without a shadow of a doubt.
1: The whole first half?
2: Yeah, no, no, they did. Like okay, 40 minutes of the first half. But to me, like, if you batter a team for 40 minutes but then you don't score... I think you, you've had a window I don't think they battered them in the second half at all they were the better team mm-hmm. if you're asking me if you're scoring at like a boxing match who'd win on points absolutely no dispute in that but I actually think a team battering someone is in the business end of the game where like people are like Richard Dunn and Moscow are like throwing themselves across it. I thought Madrid were quite controlled in the second half you know I don't think like the, the, the iconic chance or the, so what are the chances that got away for Liverpool in that second half? The Salah one was an extraordinary save. But again, he's plucked it out of the sky. An amazing first touch from a ball forward. It wasn't like, you know, camped on the edge of the box and like sort of ball ricocheting off. They had that in the first half to some degree. But I actually just thought that Madrid managed the game pretty well in the second half. I know people have taken issue with that view. There seems to be different opinions on it. Um, But I thought that their experience sort of Came to the fore as it went on, and yeah, Liverpool were undoubtedly the better side. But I think the hard luck story is weakened a small bit by the quality of chances that they, they didn't create really in the business end of the game. And even from after, when they went behind, we were watching there thinking they're, they're going to at any point is like they're definitely going to score now. I didn't have that feeling watching it. Maybe, maybe you did. No, you know. I
1: tend to agree with you. First half was a battering, yeah, it like it was a, like no, an no, no, absolute no. mauling for 40 minutes until the disallowed goal. Mm. And it was just such a warning. We're capable of anything. You can kick the holy hell out of us for 40 minutes and we're capable of this. But the chance in the first half, you think of the amazing save from Courtois, from Manet's shot off the post, couple of other real last-ditch blocks or saves. So like the narrative that All Madrid rope-a-doped them and absorbed the pressure and this was part of the plan, that's wrong. No, Madrid were massively under the cosh. Nothing about that first half was going to plan for them. They were in big trouble, and they were very lucky not to concede. But I do tend to agree with you. Second half, uh, particularly when Madrid scored, the thing took on this air of destiny, and you could visibly see belief leaving the Liverpool team as they struggled to create anything clear-cut. The Salah moment was a big one. I think you know part of the reason he punched the ground because was because he knew that he wasn't getting a tonne of chances. Yeah. And, yeah, I didn't last 10, 12 minutes. I had this real sense of... I'm sure they're going to see this out. Just had that air. So, they battered them first half. They were on top second half. But, and this is... They don't have much of an Achilles heel. They have an Achilles... Uh, tiny little smidgen of an Achilles issue. Uh, Liverpool more so than Manchester City more so than some of the great teams we've seen in the past they have their struggles breaking down a well organised determined defence who are sitting in and you think of Spurs at Anfield a couple of weeks back where similarly running out of ideas is the wrong term because they're still playing with the methodology and they're still doing their bits and pieces but the quality of the ball almost the quality of the passes declines and and the sharpness goes and, and, and there is just this sense of Dinking it in there into the general yeah, area, you, yeah. and and it didn't seem likely. So uh, good battering for the first forty, and then sucker punched, and then just um, faded a touch. And and and, I, and Madrid won't look back in that last ten minutes as oh my god, how do we see that see it out?
2: No, I I think I think the thing about Liverpool, I like I see the Man City games recently. Where the like at times Liverpool have been under the cosh, but you do feel they're this team they could just score in a second yeah. more than anyone. They're a team that you know that goal after half time was it against City or they just they can withstand pressure and then just bang they Madrid, you mean? No, but yeah, but the the league game they had against Man City a couple of weeks back. Sorry, so Liverpool like that they, they as you said against the team that's attacking against them. They're oh, they're, they're devastating. Yeah. And yeah, there's a little bit more build up when there's a little bit more build up involved. They're less comfortable, and that Salah one was one that you know it sort of came. As you said, almost out of nothing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a volume of pressure, but that was also because, like, I actually felt Madrid were going to score a second goal. All the chances they passed up in the last couple of minutes, yeah. like to kill it. You know, they they had they had Liverpool where they wanted them. They they got themselves into that position, and now, like, I I thought Liverpool would win. I actually thought they would win. I you know, here. At, with with Lauro on Saturday. Like my prediction was Liverpool to win. I felt there was a chance they could blow them away early and that was the thing, but the longer the game went on. That's it exactly. It was just like oh no. And you know even like see Casemiro in the second half was quite comfortable. Like I've seen stats subsequently about Cruz, you know, th- his ball retention and stuff. They they
1: They were they, braver on the ball in the second half Madrid for sure. Like even yeah. Modrić refusing to take an easy option in the build up to the goal where he turned one way, turned the other, turned another way and then it's a, a left-footed pass through the lines. They didn't yeah. They did start playing a bit more. I mean, the first half, they were a disgrace.
2: No, no, they were like the first half, they were poor, and it it backed up all the view that they are a better team. But you sort of forget we we, we can talk about the Champions League as the ultimate, you know, arbiter of something, but it's, it's a cup competition. Fundamentally, that's what it is. Yeah. It has a name that is a brilliant name and an amazing thing, but it's still a cup competition. And like this is why Porto can win it. And yeah. you know, this is you know, this is how other teams can win major tournaments that you don't expect. You know, even international. It's a cup competition, and yeah, they didn't. It wasn't like some master plan. They were just they were outplayed in the first half for large spells, but they came back off the ropes and they won the contest. Then, and that's you know? their great gift. Yeah,
1: Mike alone at full time in BT. He used the wrong phrase because it just jarred when he said Liverpool are still the team to beat as we watch Madrid celebrating just having beaten them. But I think that view is out there that it's still Man City, Liverpool as the two best teams. But in th- I think
2: if you want to take that point, to, well, then well Man City should have won it then. You know, like that's the, that's the thing. It's like, well, if you if you st- at the end of every Champions League final, you say, well, who's the best team in Europe? Yeah. It's probably Man City, I think. Yeah. Really. Yeah. You know, if you like, they probably did a job on, but like they should have done a job in Madrid completely, and they did win the league. Mm. You know, across the season, but they weren't in it. So, like, you know, they <laughs> they, yeah. they they didn't again. Man City in the half an hour of extra time in the semi final were probably paralysed in a not dissimilar way to. What well, Liverpool were a small bit yeah. in the last sort of ten to fifteen I know Naby Keita had a chance, and there's moments where if they fly in, you can you can use the scoreboard to like you know come round to shaping your opinion of it. Yeah. Um, but I sort of felt like Madrid in the end, um, they they sort of probably deserved it. You know, four sort of for for in the business end of the game, they sort of came to the four. Yeah, um, but it's one that got away from liverpool and i'm sure i mean it'll, it will haunt them for a while that like you know they, they haven't lost to a team that's going to be remembered as one of the greats but they're great winners yeah that's what they are
1: you've been to your fair share of games now across the continent what is your read on the shambles pre-match
2: yeah i mean i i can't believe it really um in as much as like <sighs> the the champions league final is one where they I mean, and Klopp highlighted it prior. You know that the number of tickets that the actual competing teams get is isn't especially big. Yeah. and you know, generally, um, you know, they they've sanitised some of these finals to a degree, and it's possibly tied in with the you know there there's uh, I I there's no doubt that like you know loads of people descend on an accessible city and that probably contributes and it was such a probably a great party atmosphere around having a proper Champions League final and you know Liverpool from the north and Madrid from the south and you know the local people and I I can see a degree of that but I just can't understand how you could run it that badly I I really don't you know like there's an element of a perfect storm around aspects of it you know and um, you know you can find some argument you know to to like the, the the shameful stuff about like the the UEFA statements being put out and you know, a load of fans have turned up and it it's just Dan, you've, you've fans just need to turn up on time. All right. uh, I mean it's they just I mean it's just it's so dis it, 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 it insults people's intelligence. Why
1: did they go for that excuse? Well, the, they didn't need to give one. Just kick off his delayed. There have been delays. Not fans were late arriving.
2: Well, was the theory was there not a theory that this was to avoid tension inside the ground? I thought that I've, I'm pretty sure someone reported that uh, somewhere um, that they did they, they to, for the sake of people inside the stadium they wanted to put out that if if you put out something like oh, there's issues outside would it, now people are going to be on their phones anyway. Generally. Just say there
1: have been delays getting yeah. people into the stadium. Not fans were late. Yeah, yeah. silly. I, silly.
2: start the France like and I, I, like it's not it's 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 funny like as a stadium when it was. It, when it, when it was sort of come on the scene first it like represented modernity you know this is a like I wouldn't be a massive fan of it as a, as a venue it's a nuisance to get like to as well and it's a nuisance to get to yet even though if you're in Paris it's actually only one stop away from the metro from one of the main metro mains. It's, it's just more how it's handled you know in the sense of when the metro stops late at night like it's not necessarily miles out in the sticks it's a short distance short number of sort of metro stops away from one of the main central stations from what I recall right. but it's just that it stops late at night and I think there was there was a closure at this time that also affected the traffic into it and it's just I, I associate all my trips there with because um, I would have been there in the Euro was for non-Ireland games like Ireland played Sweden but that was earlier in the day that was an afternoon game or early evening so it wasn't as uh, panicked I think after the match but I've been there for some of the nighttime games and it's just the stress of everyone getting out there afterwards and people people would have stories of after the Henri handball game in 2009, like the... the, the, there was no service available. People had to hitch lifts into town or there was a lot of Algerian fans going around running wild because they'd celebrated. But like, I think it was a less than ideal situation. I was there. People. You were there as well. Sorry, yeah. But you caught up in that because the extra time basically, like it went to extra time, but there was no sort of, um, and I know there was no extra time at the weekend, but still the, it's almost like, you no, know, we're stopping at this hour rather than having a match service that runs, you know, runs for a period of time to avoid, like um this this bottleneck that seemed to be created, but I mean that seemed to be created as well by where they parked cars as well and other stuff, which is just Insane. Like, you got your head around it. Like yeah.
1: Really. I don't remember it being too bad. I was at the game which was nil all when Brian Kerr was manager as a fan. I didn't go as a journalist to these games. I yeah. was there as a fan. And I was at the Henri handball game. I remember after the Henri Handball game coming out of the stadium and just seeing so many people walking towards the metro and i do remember thinking oh my god we're going to be forever here Mm. and i think it was just a long wait i don't remember there being uh, an atmosphere because france were pretty happy thankfully we're not the fans who tend to cause trouble it was just very 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 slow is my memory of the Henri handball game i can't remember the brian Kerr nil all one but i just remember getting there being Nuisance. Maybe it's not as far as I remember. I,
2: it's just yeah, like and uh, again, like you'll have say, and I have look like, a handful of anecdotal examples, which may not be relevant to this instance here. But like, it's the Champions League final. Generally, your wife has smothered this stuff with like layers of sort of. um sort of corporate corridors that sort of I, I just can't believe they ended up in this situation. And I know that the, that the blame like they're having this UEFA have their independent investigation now and clearly the French police and the authorities yeah. but still generally UEFA are pretty much like their event management. Like for example the Euros in Dublin like they use pe- they were they were to use people locally here but UEFA very much managed the event, you know. Yeah. Like the Europa League final is here in what 2023. Yeah. Um and like UEFA will come in and, and be he- heavily involved in all sorts of discussions with the local authorities in various ways, and you would assume. Just I just can't believe the Champions League final that that they ended up this off this off kilter with so many aspects of it. You know. They're now um,
1: Euro's final at Wembley and Champions League final at Paris. In uh, that's that's two for two and complete keep coming, complete like, messes. And
2: like, and I mean they're and they're going back to Wembley no matter what because Wembley like you know Wembley ticks the boxes for like corporate hospitality but the amazing thing about the other day is it seems like some of the people in the corporates even got caught up in it it wasn't even that like the people in the prawn sandwiches were sort of or you know the ex-players were insulated from it and the fans it seems like all sorts of people yeah, was, uh,
1: Henry, uh, Henry Winter was writing about yeah. some strongly worded letters from various corporate sectors about their experience yeah. it is an odd atmosphere at times the Champions League like you mentioned how few proper fans get tickets even at half time second half restarts and the stand opposite the main TV view is pretty much empty for the first five, six minutes of the second half starting, maybe even a bit longer. Mm. That's just, that is just the corporate world not that rushed about getting back out for the start of the second half. (laughs) And like, there's a kind of a cool thing where the camera cuts to there's Ronaldo, there's Adan, there's McAuley. It's great that, you know, the former players come back and it's this showpiece event. But that whole stand That whole stand is just corporate.
2: Yeah. And it makes
1: for an odd atmosphere.
2: You get a list if you're at the final and the same with the Euros final you get like sent a list of legends that are there beforehand. Oh is that right? And it can be all sorts it can be like world names you know to like you know sort of Premier League years faces you remember to like various singers or like heads of state in various countries you know and um, Romeo Beckham. Yeah yeah, like you just like it it can go everywhere and anywhere that list and um, I must
1: ask a player played in that final is it an not atmosphere in that there's a wall of noise behind one goal wall of noise behind the other what's is the other stand a bit disconnected in some respects? I, I, it
2: might be like, it's like playing in the Emirates or something for some of them. Yeah. Like they have that problem. I, I mean, I suppose in some ways you could say, like, isn't the All-Ireland final here that, you know, the, the competing counties get X amount, but then like, just club members and people yeah, yeah. from around the country. So, like, it's it's a version of that, except it's corporates as opposed to, like, you know, club members. that like you might have... Uh, heads of associations probably get you know a couple of tickets each and it's it's, it's a sort of a UEFA version of that All-Ireland concept yeah, yeah. it's just a, it's a much more soulless one mm. you know um,
1: well they're but, claiming or they claimed yesterday anyway that 40,000 fans turned up at the stadium without tickets or fake tickets which
2: again have they not? Has that not been narrowed now to like, I think 2,400 was something I saw this evening? Like, there is no doubt that there's there's yeah. an element of that. More, that more
1: people turned up at Donald Trump's inauguration. <laughs> yeah. Any other yeah. inauguration. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't
1: know. I mean, there you are, scrambling badly. There's going to be an independent report, I'm sure. It'll smooth everything over and we'll forget about it in a week. Uh, we should press on because I didn't talk to you about the next couple of weeks and what Stephen Kenny and the Irish team are all about. Our football show coverage and Off the Ball is brought to you by Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, Premier Sports. Back in one
0: second. Probably did hate mail or we thought it was hate at the time because these
2: guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod, live, Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out out sports.com forward slash events and
1: get your tickets now. Now then, you're welcome Max. So we're headed into big international window four games in 11 days Ireland will take on Armenia, Scotland and Ukraine a place in League A of the Nations League is up for grabs for the winners in addition European Championship playoff is on offer if Ireland top the group so Ireland will begin Armenia this Saturday that's away Dan john will be at Dublin Airport from 2am tomorrow if you want a selfie or just a chat and then it's followed by two home games Ukraine, Scotland who of course play each other tomorrow in a it's massive all very game, incestuous yeah. this uh, group, and then rounded off in uh, Lodz against Ukraine.
2: Vudz. is it really? Yeah, Vodz. and
1: reads as Lodz.
2: Yeah, uh, my colleague Aidan Fitzmaurice speaks. Polish and Russian, and he's very sort of. Uh, Does he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he studied one. Of, he studied Russian, I think, in college. So, wow. But he speaks of Polish as well. So he's very good. I mean, I'm, I probably got that wrong, but I definitely know it's not Lodz Anyway, it's like a couple of years back, uh, Ireland played in what a lot of people would have described as rock law at the time. <laughs> do you remember? And I was like, Vrzvov is like the yeah. pronunciation of it, or something like that. So I was trying, you know, be. So it's Vuds or something along. Poland. Those. Poland. Yeah, just go with Poland. Yeah.
1: All 27 players in the squad range yesterday no injuries James McLean being monitored Josh Cullen is suspended Armenia ranked 92nd in the world they lost their last game 9-0 against Norway so presumably Dan our boys are going to do a number on this lot
2: Yeah, Armenia are weird they they won their first couple of World Cup qualifiers last year, like their World Cup qualifiers. Um, I think they won their first three games, and you're thinking, like, they actually were probably dreaming of having an outside run and being another North Macedonia here. And then their, fall, their form just went off a cliff in the second half of the year, and they were getting, you know, they got hammered in a couple of qualifiers towards the end, including, I think, by North Macedonia. Now, the 9 0 was a sort of a friendly where they had a player sent off in the first half and I think they had four changes before half time and I think that was a bit of a mad one Stephen Kenny said don't read Anthony into that but even take that out of the equation and um, the results in 2021 in competitive games were, were a bit weird you know now like okay. Armenia to a lot of people it'd be like bigotarian they're thinking of I mean, they won the conference league the other day Please he's retired doesn't play for him anymore, so
1: I wasn't thinking Mkhitaryan.
2: Uh, yeah, well, there is your Armenian. <laughs> a lot of people, some some people, Joe. <laughs> if, if you know, name me an Armenian footballer. If anyone went beyond Mkhitaryan, I'd be impressed. Yeah, um, but he, but he won't be there. So they, it's a winnable tie, but uh, it is winnable. Ninety second in the world, winnable. Well, uh, I'm just saying that, like they are in the Nations League because they're in. The sa- they're deemed to be at the same level as you. Like They won their group in League C to get into this. Mm. you know, And they were having a very good run around 18 months ago and then they've sort of, I don't know what the hell has happened to them. I don't know um, if you know
1: Dan, we weren't having such a good run. No, no, anymore.
2: exactly. So I'm just i to say, they're looking at us thinking <laughs> that this is a winnable tie. Okay. Um, but it's 5pm like local time, 31 degrees on Saturday. Okay. So that's possibly something to be conscious of.
1: I feel for Armenia this game is winnable. I feel for Ireland this is we're going to give these lads a kicking. That's how I'm framing this. Down.
2: We're, we're, I'm Ireland are always at our strongest when that is the, the expectation no, pre-match, isn't it?
1: Building them up so I can tear them down next yeah. week. So just to give you a flavour of what different players have been saying over the last 24 hours or so, end of Stevens before the media and he was talking about what Stephen Kenny expects from his full backs.
0: It's quite similar. He kind of just wants... Obviously, he wants end product. It's more. He wants to see it more as an attacking position, more than a defensive position. He wants you to play... As high up the pitch, and when you're higher up that pitch, he kind of gives you that freedom to kind of see the game for yourself. And um, he just wants you link and play and putting crosses in, shots, goals. He wants he wants end product out of uh, out of wing backs, and um, that's the positive thing. He gives you the, the the chance to go and express yourself higher up the pitch. And um, he wants to be that attacking attacking team and possession based, but he wants to see end product in it. He just want to just keep the ball. For the sake of it, he wants to penetrate and run forward and and that's what I think a lot of lads a lot a lot of us have seen over the last few games
1: it is and I guess when you go with five at the back, it's either five at the back or it's three and you two push on and thankfully, thankfully we're more in the three you two push on
2: yeah no definitely it is sort of more wing backs than full backs i suppose um there may be games where the team is pegged back and and it's more about that, but I think. I think we've seen in in the last year certainly, with the sort of whether it's Stevens or McLean on the left or Doherty who's injured this time, um, or Coleman on the right or maybe Cyrus Christie, like they are very sort of a, attack orientated, you yeah. know. And there, even the okay, there would have been times against Portugal away where Coleman and Doherty, um, it might have felt like a back five when they are under pressure, but. They they did get up and down the line, you know, and provide width in an attacking sense too.
1: I always have this period where we head back into international window, and I'm struggling to remember (laughs) what the last episode was. And so I was just saying to you, remind me, remind me. You're right, Troy Parrots. Winner in the 91st minute against Lithuania and then the Belgium game I thought oh my god I was there
2: 97th minute wasn't 97th, I
1: was yeah. there the yeah. place erupted it, it was an amazing goal so that was the last edition. feel good factor all the way
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Callum Robinson so he was talking to the media the vaccine situation came up he said he didn't let it overly uh, affect him the controversy last October uh, he was also talking with uh, Michael Obafemi back we should mm. talk uh, Obafemi he was talking about the attacking options in the Ireland squad this is Callum Robinson
0: yeah, it's probably been the best um, set of uh, set of lads in the forward areas probably since I've come into the setup, um, which is good. We've got a lot of talented players in the top end of the pitch. And um, Troy Parrots, he come on in the last game, done really well, and he's been doing really well for for MK Dons. Tio's done amazing since he's come in. Well, Keane's done so well this season, um, club level, Scotty Hogan, same. So we've got, a, we've got a lot of good forward options and um, that's what you need. You need that competition um, to keep you on your toes and, and to, you know that you have to perform to, to get that start or to be playing minutes for, for the countryside, so definitely.
1: Robinson and his hat-trick and this weird, ridiculous phase he had for Ireland, unsustainable. I mean, hopefully, he's one of these players who always seems to play better for mm. Ireland than club, and that's very possible. But um, I, w- 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 what's a fair expectation of because there was this sense after well, we found we found <laughs> our guy, and I'm, I'm not sure we we quite have.
2: Yeah, like he scored five goals in that October window, and then he did score one in Luxembourg late on as well in November. But then <laughs> what happened? Like, see, see, Robinson is one of these. There's a couple of players in the Ireland team at the moment who are very versatile but as a result like you know they can be moved around a bit from game to game like at times Robinson has played as a sort of a false nine like as a central striker like in that game against um, Qatar where he got the hat trick that's actually where he started um, then he it, talked
1: about it as a very free roll
2: yeah it is and, and in Azerbaijan where he scored he was more so off the left I think at the start of the sort of a 3-4-3 three, three or whatever you want to call it like 3-4-1-2 mm. it is sometimes and you sort of look at the options that there are now where, okay, Ogbené looks like he's always going to play um, at the moment anyway. And he's kind of a speedy outlet up front. So I think there's going to be more onus and Robinson to be a little bit more of a link player. Which he's good at. Know, and it's moving. No, he's, he's good at that. Mm. But does that mean on occasion, like he's not necessarily going to be the one getting in the box on the end of things, that he could be the, the link player, holding up play and getting involved. And actually it's his build up play that's creating chances for others and we've actually seen that where he's put in crosses for for, for big goals for Ireland so I'm not sure if there's anyone within the system set up to be you know a a sort of a clinical goal poacher although the interesting one we sort of touched on it there you've got Ova Femi in the squad now who's 12 goals this
1: season in the championship which means he's Ireland's top scorer across the top two English leagues and he is back in the squad so Kenny was talking about him and the 12 goals and he was saying that the big plus for me is that he's been injury free for a good period because the injuries have hindered his career since going to Swansea he's had a great run of games in the second half of the season the two things which hovered over Obafemi were one attitude yeah. and there were some odd things being said by his managers, managers plural at Southampton about his, his attitude and that was a big concern you would think young player on the cusp of first team Premier League would be on best behaviour at all times and then secondly it seemed like his hamstrings were yeah. especially sensitive so 12 goals in the Championship it's no joke
2: No, and um, his manager at Swansea, Russell Martin, wasn't just his Southampton managers, but Russell Martin sort of gave him a little bit of a a public kick in sort of uh, last October or so. Do we know what
1: the specifics
2: of his issues (laughs) are? Not really, no. I think you get... But even you you hear the players this week speak about him being... uh, he's he's a good character he's a laugher a joker I think Kenny said last week life would be boring if everyone was the same you sort of read between the lines and you sense is he just does he come across a bit casual sometimes you know a bit sort of uh, not fully tuned in Mm. and it seems more like people are talking about as though it's more sort of I'm not choosing the word in the wrong way but a bit daftness as opposed to sort of like a bad lad or something like that it's more you know has he fully applied himself I think that's possibly the way you could phrase it that you know even with some of his injury problems I think it was it Hassan Hüttler might have referenced just being conscious of how you approach things off the park as well and how that feeds into it so I don't know. I don't have any. I've never. Don't think I've ever done any, done a piece with him, so I don't. I can't really speak to like what type of character he is. Um, but you—that's what you're picking up from, and mm. a couple of stupid social media things and stuff as well. But he was left at Kenny's first squad. But again, if you start throwing stones at lads for social media stuff, and they were young, where do you stop with some of the players now? You know. Um, but his form is 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 really good with Swansea. Like he scored consistently. I think what's interesting with him is that he's he's really quick yeah. but he's he's one that he's, he's not someone you'd describe as a Callum Robinson where he's a number 10 he could be described as a number 10 or a hold up player he's one who probably would play through the middle ideally but, he, but he's a goal scorer off the shoulder the last man but he's a finisher he can poach a bit and he, he, in some ways, that makes him a little bit different to the other options. Never had an abundance like, of that. Look, like if Adamida was, I think I still think Adamida is Kenny's man, right? I think Adamida, but he's again he's injured for this window. I think he is Kenny's type of number nine, for the most part. You know, for where he's going, but he doesn't really have that sort of. The Obafemi style player who if you're playing a front two he's very comfortable in that but he now seems like he can play across a front three as well but possibly centrally you know and can pick up sort of the scraps or whatever like Scott Hogan's in the squad who probably will be not dissimilar he's more of a goal poacher in his style he's better inside the box maybe than outside of it and I think Ireland have a lot of attacking players who are very good outside the box um, but maybe inside the box you have questions about them Was I think with Obafemi I think inside the areas where he can Come to life, you know. So, I think Kenny at first was reluctant when Kenny was leaving Obafemia of a squad initially. It was because he felt the system didn't suit him. Because at that stage, Ireland looked like they were going to be playing with sort of one through the middle at all the time and then sort of a 4 3 3 and, yeah. uh, or 4 2 3 1. Now, there's mo- it's a different sort of setup, and I think there's a possibility like Swansea play with three at the back, um, and he's, he's been fine in, in their setup. So he's got a chance, yeah. I, Kenny's made the point yesterday that he's not here. Kenny has, had, has integrated players slowly. He's called lads into squads and then they don't actually play in that camp. They play in the next one. But I get the impression that Obafemi Femi will see some game time across these four games, yeah. Okay.
1: Speaking of Stephen Kenny, when was it that he talked about wanting to top the Nations League. Group.
2: I think it was... I think someone referenced this in the question yesterday. So I think it was after that Qatar game. It's after think, a big I, win. I think it was after Arden hammered Qatar and Robinson okay. scored three. I think that's when he said it, yeah. I
1: think you're right. It was certainly when... It was a real sea change. It was in the
2: Aviva. It was wasn't. In, it wasn't away. So I think it has to have been the Qatar. Yeah, because I
1: mean. they played great football that night, and there was a sense: okay, yeah. I've got my contract secure, and he was looking forward and yeah. stating ambitions, and I think wanting to remind people his contract, regardless, ran up to. I this think that period. was a part
2: of it too. Yeah, it was a bit of that. It was. Yeah.
1: So uh, yesterday he was asked about uh, why he came out publicly saying he wanted to top the Nations League group.
0: Well, I think. Um you know, it's a progression of the the team. We've seen the team evolve over a period of time. Um, from March to March, from March to March, you scored twenty-three goals. You know, and the, the team's improved. We've, we've got five clean sheets in the last six games, and um, you know, so we we, we know that uh, it's a big incentive because. We know the incentive that is there, that the, the possibility of getting second seed for the for the European Championship draw, the fact that you can actually get it get into the top table of the Nations League, or you can even get a playoff, you know, in, for, for for a possible playoff for for, for the European Championship. So there's a lot of a lot of motivation there. We realise, yeah, we've got a tough group. We're drawn in a tough group. Ukraine quarterfinals of the European Championships. Um, really exceptional team. Scotland are on a on a high as a nation at the moment and uh Armenia are improving of course. So it's um so we've got a tough group, but no it's early our ambition to win the group and that's what we want and that's what um that's what we want to try and achieve
1: because elsewhere I saw a quote written down where he had said, We're not favourites to top the group, we're third favourites.
2: Yeah, well, I think that's probably because Ireland are the third seeds. Yeah. So, like, if you want to take seeds in a very sort of, you know, just take a literal that that defines the field, you know, um, and they are the third favourites. You can say in the same way that like Iceland, after brilliant results in recent years, have ended up being top seeds at the time, and Iceland are very poor now, you know. Yeah. But I think, I think you like, I think Ireland have a chance of winning this group. I do, but I I can see why it is fair to say that Ukraine and Scotland have had much better results in recent years so they would be understandably expected to to advance ahead of Ireland by neutral observers in another country if you asked them how do you think this group will finish who
1: knows you know? where Ukraine are
2: well this is the thing I mean you mentioned it at the top of the show I mean Scotland and Ukraine are playing in this Oh, I can't imagine the sort of the range of emotions that are going to be felt. Charge the game. word charge. Be I, I mean, I saw Zinchenko was in tears in his press conference this evening speaking about it. Because um,
1: it's one thing, Zinchenko and all these Premier League players and club players across Europe, parking emotions and playing for their clubs. It's quite another to stand together, with the national anthem playing. Yeah, and I, I would be surprised if many of that team can keep their composure during the anthem
2: yeah no I mean and we are going to experience it to some degree like Ireland will playing Ukraine next week here and there's going to be uh, you know I think tickets have been given to members of the community here I think the game in Poland uh, in Vud's people are sort of oh, underestimating that's, that's going to be fully Ukraine yeah people are just like and, and I, now they would have played Armenia there a couple of days previously it's not going to be the first one but still like that is still going to be ah. they're going to be powerful events so How and many
1: thousands of Ukrainians are now in Poland? Yeah
2: so like these are going to be events but there's no doubt that the strongest feeling by the time they come around to that it will be the fourth game of the window it'll still be strong but the first one with the oh. chance to get to the World Cup you know and a winner takes all sort of semi well it's a knockout semi-final yeah. to play Wales in, in the final and you have Scotland at home who haven't been to a World Cup I mean it's pales of comparison but like Scotland for them it's still you know they haven't been to a World Cup since what 98 yeah. and these two nations are involved in this season game uh, one will go out and, and cope with that, and take a week off, and come back to the Nations League. Uh, the winner will go and play on Sunday in a in a in a final against Wales. And so it's an after the Nations League is a bit of an afterthought for either of them yeah. you know, in the in the context of this window. What you're saying is on on, is on, S- on
1: Scottish off the ball this evening. They're not sizing up how Ireland might no. attack them.
2: They might not even know that game's on. You know that like they'll sort of know it's there, but um, whereas for Ireland it's sort of. Like it's it's everything for Stephen Kenny in the context of this year, these games, yeah. and it, ah, oh, like I mean, to be talking about, you know, taking advantage of a situation, it just feels dreadfully inappropriate. But there is no doubt the fact that Scotland and, and Ukraine have their minds elsewhere very much, and the Nations League is an afterthought. It's something that, like Ireland, can try and from a football standpoint. You know, hit the ground running and and yeah. and hope that they're sort of dealing with the hangover. Because Ireland know that hangover. Like they, Ireland played Slovakia, you know, in a playoff at the start of a three-game window, and they never really recovered almost from from uh, the COVID stuff as well. But still, like if you have the high invested in that big game, yeah. It's hard to come down and back off. It. Oh, so, of course, yeah. Um, but they are they are big games. But I mean, this this does like uh, winning the Nations League group would open a lot of doors for Ireland. You know.
1: So uh, final point: four games in eleven days—that's a lot. Not all the players mm-hmm. will be able to manage four in eleven. Even the best person Frank Lampard's ever met.
2: Yes, uh, like, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to be playing all four at all. listening to no. Kenny yesterday.
1: But uh, what are what are the big issues? Dilemmas, cause du jour what's the big talking See, point a here? What's, be- <laughs> what's it going what, 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 are you, what are you boys going to be writing about from uh, Dublin Airport tomorrow
2: I, I think I think it's one of these things where I feel the week will really take the, the window will really take shape after the first game yeah. it is a small bit of that What you're saying people are getting back to speed get up to speed with it and I think talking points will come out of that first game naturally I think listening to the clips there like Ireland actually what Kenny has done we Ireland don't have superstars in their squad but there's no doubt that the player pool is deepening a bit what,
1: like, st- what strikes me though is if he's going to take a gamble on resting players it will be for this first game
2: Oh no I don't think that's going to be the case okay. No I listened so, to him like Coleman's definitely going to play on Saturday right. Listen to what he was saying I think that I think the, 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 the resting inverted commas like it'll be balancing in the Scotland and the Ukraine Scotland-Ukraine week I think listen to him yesterday I wouldn't be surprised if Coleman didn't play against Scotland for example in the middle or didn't play in the last one now I think Kenny has to be sure enough to know he has to has to get a win on the board in a competitive game yeah, to a like this yeah. no, I, I think the most important game of the four is actually the first one I, okay. really, th- I okay, really think right. it is so I think you'll see that Josh Cullen is suspended for Saturday he's such a big part of the team so the big decision one of the big talking points this week will be how do you replace that who do you put in there um, You know, where do you deploy someone like Jason Knight who's been so effective further forward is it Conor Heron who plays there Um mm you know is it is it sort of Columbia or Alan up. Brown or, Aaron hasn't you know. lit it up of late no but he came in early specifically to you know to he came in earlier than, than, than mandated to try and get minutes on the board and a friendly against the 21s and okay. he, he's one that you could see in a game where you have to keep possession maybe Maybe w- that he turns to him on Saturday, but um, I think in Ford areas there's a lot of different options. And they may all be much of a muchness to an outside observer, but like between sort of Will Keane is there now, Femi is there Oof. now.
1: Will, um, Will Keane didn't do himself any favors. He didn't,
2: the last but time. he's had a very good end to the season as well. Like, I, d- I just no, he's probably fallen down the, the list because yeah. of that. But Abafemi Femi's probably in ahead of him. But yeah. you've got Ogbeni you've got Robinson, um, you've got Troy Paris. You know, so I mean, Tro- what's Troy done wrong lately? And a lot of that. Have to go into like two or three places. How has Troy's club form been? He finished the season very well with MK Dons. In fact, his club form was was he was playing well but not scoring before that goal against Lithuania. Um, but subsequently, he finished the season well. He scored in the playoff semi final. It ended in defeat. Oh, that's right. But he yeah. scored. Yeah. And um, he's going to go on loan again, I think, next season. That's the chat. Um, so, I
1: very think, viable option
2: I think he's he's matured a lot in the last 12 months yeah. um, it, it's strange the way it goes that like Aaron Connolly has dropped out of a pitcher and he was the one doing it at Premier League level and actually Obafemi and Parrot at the moment look like better options mm. you know but maybe that wheel can turn again in 12 months time
1: OK um, Dan enjoy the f- flight tomorrow uh,
2: yeah I'll, I'll once I make it on it I'll be happy it'll be fine No,
1: I'm sure it will. I would hate to turn on the news and see a queue outside that airport and, and the camera out your face
2: <laughs> <laughs> you see Joe you've just said that you would hate to see that while smiling which <laughs> would which, which, which lead me to question the sincerity of the words uh, for, for listeners out there Joe said that with a smile as opposed no, to uh, no no, no no
1: look I would hate it for obviously the, the many many other people who would also be suffering but if there was some way you could just be having there <laughs> yeah, just
2: know. one person missed the flight tomorrow yeah uh, that could, that could uh, be no safe
1: travels and I suspect we'll be talking to you across the week so you're home from Armenia Sunday presumably and then
2: Sunday afternoon and then, yeah, there's a week at home and then off to Poland again to, to mark the 10-year anniversary of our, our last, one of our last trips to Poland, of course. Oh yeah. 2012, 10 wow. years on. Indeed. Who needs Saipan? That's the real anniversary we need to celebrate.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, enjoy. Thanks so much for coming in, Dan McDonnell of The Irish Independent. Our football show coverage here Off The Ball, brought to you by Sky, all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.